We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking historical comps for rookie stars on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin. Alongside Curtis Patrick, we are two of the owners here at Rotoviz. Excited to be coming to you on this Friday morning uh, after a very, very busy week here at Rotoviz headquarters, uh, with Curtis putting in hours upon hours on the Rotoviz rookie guide. Uh Curtis, you mentioned that you were in a flow state, so I don't even think I need to ask how you're doing here, man. I'm doing great, man. This is, I, I'm in 2022. I've made the mental shift, everything about it. Uh, I know everything about these prospects. Uh, I know what you guys think about these prospects. I know what our tools think about these prospects. I'm ready to start drafting best ball teams. I'm ready to start adopting dynasty orphans. If you, uh, if you guys are listening, uh, checked out my article earlier this week, I talked all about what to look for in the right dynasty orphan to adopt and how you can you know turn it into a winner, where you should adopt those teams. Uh, and then I, I've also got startup fever, man. Like just everything fantasy is flowing through my veins and I can't get enough. It's going to be a great year. Yeah. I mean, this is what it's all about. Uh, that's what it's all about. The excitement building, the anticipation building for the coming season. Yeah. You know, nothing better than that. Uh, but we have an exercise that we're just going to get straight into. <laughs> We already hit some of these earlier this week, uh, but we do want to note that uh, on the site, we have some coverage that really embraces this concept. So Curtis, I know you got a couple of notes on what Neil's been working on. Yeah. So uh, Neil Dutton, um, one of our featured writers here at, uh, at Rotoviz for many years, um, well known to loyal subscribers to the site, but if you've never checked him out, maybe you're just, you know, listening to the podcast uh, and Rotoviz Radio, and you haven't read Neil's stuff, I would encourage you to check it out. He's all over our front page right now because he's been very productive over the last two weeks. And he is um, going through and looking at the rookie standouts from 2021 in his annual rookie comparison series. And he uses a number of our tools, um, as you would expect, uh, really heavily relying on the NFL Stat Explorer, which, as I talk about all the time on here, one of my favorite tools, but perhaps the most unique and powerful tool in fantasy. That we talk about a few times each year is the Rotoviz screener. You can literally do anything you want. 
uh, with any data point um, in this thing. And what Neil is doing is creating a list of historical comps. So we can um, kind of do this, uh, you know, this player looks like this other group of players. It's, it's observational study. And, you know, if you return a really nice looking group, um, it doesn't mean that player will end up having a career like it, but it, it's certainly better to have uh, a good comp group than a bad comp group. And if it's a mixed bag, what can we learn about uh, situations played out for the rookies in the past and how might that apply to the player in question? So we can have a strong take on what to do in redraft in 2022 or in dynasty in terms of startups or trade value. So a couple of the players that he's looked at recently, you know, Najee Harris, Najee, one of Dave and I's favorites from last year's rookie class, didn't disappoint. Number one in opportunities among all running backs in 2021. Number two in expected points per game. Number one in, in targets at the running back position. Pretty cool. Um, that was something that uh, we were projecting, but you know, didn't see all of that in college. Um, you know, and he had 59% of his games. He was an RB1. So Neil dove into the road of his screener and the rookies with the uh, most comparable rookie seasons, Kareem Hunt, Leonard Fournette, Le'Veon Bell, TJ Yeldon, and Miles Sanders. So we see yeah, it's mostly positive here, right? The, the three guys at the top, th these are good outcomes. You know, if, if, if Harris were to go on and, and have a career like Kareem Hunt without a suspension, I think we'd all be pretty happy with that. And, and Kareem Hunt did take the league by storm as a rookie in fantasy by storm. And he's had several other productive seasons. Fournette, a little up and down, but I think the last two seasons have maybe changed the outlook on, on what he has been. And then Le'Veon Bell, obviously that, that'd be a smash situation. The downside here though, T, you know, TJ Yeldon and Miles Sanders getting pulled in. That, that's a little bit problematic. Um, I think the match really comes in their receiving work. Um, it, it not necessarily the overall body work, but the, the three plus receptions per game make them strong matches along with their draft capital. So any comments on those historical comps for Najee, Dave? Yeah, well, I would actually argue that though Miles Sanders um, is a player that maybe has disappointed relative to what people expected, still having him as a, you know, quote unquote, disappointing player in your comp group isn't the worst thing because we remember that he was strong enough in his rookie season to generate some excitement heading into the next year. I think you have to focus somewhat on the context in, in which he found himself, uh, which prevented him from, uh, you know, maybe doing some of the things that a player like Najee could do in the context that he's in. So, you know, like I actually view that overall as a pretty decent group because even for very good players, sometimes when you run this similarity search, you're going to see some players that hit in it and you're like, I don't even remember who that was. Um, so it's kind of just important <laughs> to keep that in mind. Like some of yes. the ones, some yes. of the ones I've seen this week, it's just like, you know, like, I, I don't remember this player as a prospect. I don't remember him as an NFL player. Like, that is, you know what I mean? So, could be worse. Yeah. Could be worse. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Um, so, Neil kind of sums this up on Najee. Uh, I'll ask this question because I know this is a player. Like, it's a pretty important guy to get right because after Jonathan Taylor, RB2 and on down, you know, there's a lot of debate going on. Yep. And it's, it's a big decision point in Dynasty startups for sure uh, next season. And uh, so, you know, JT's our, our RB1 for sure. But how would you rank Najee versus DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, and Antonio Gibson? By the way, all three of those players actually younger than Najee, despite being in the league longer. I think I would rate him ahead of all of them. Agreed. Um, same, for all the same. reasons that we've, we've talked about. So I don't even need to go through it. But um, 
Yeah, I okay. think as long as he's in Pittsburgh, he's sitting on uh, top of them. So you guys can check that out uh, on rotaviz.com. It dropped January 25th, still on the front page. Another player that Neil recently cut up was Mac Jones. Um, and I, I like the title here because I think it sums up Mac Jones perfectly. Mac Jones may never be a fantasy stud, but that's okay. Um, that's, yep. it, it is okay. You know, he's probably going to be a starter for a while. Uh, he actually did have five QB one weeks in 2021, to my surprise, not necessarily because he boomed at all. It was probably just weak overall quarterback play in those weeks. He never scored more than 25.2. Um, his historical comps from the road of a screener. Th- this is exactly what you would expect. Okay. Mike Glennon, Derek Carr, Andy Dalton, Andrew Luck. Uh, Andrew Luck does pop there. And then Sam Bradford. So I would say Mac Jones look a lot like the four lower guys there than Luck. Um, care to debate that at all since he's your team's quarterback, Dave? No, but I, I think I'll kind of echo exactly what the article is saying in which that is okay because what I often find are there's sometimes these less exciting quarterbacks that you can have on a two-quarterback roster. You fill them into a spot. They're not winning you weeks, but they become super usable and super reliable players. And then every once in a while, they have a season that works out really well. Thinking like a Derek Carr, he's had a season here and there where he, you know, could have made a difference for a lot of two quarterback rosters if you had him. You know, maybe even a player like Kirk Cousins at points who people don't think of as the sexiest option, but has a number of weeks where he's really contributing. So I think that if you view Mac Jones and players like that as having a particular role that they can play on some of these two quarterback rosters, you'll grow to appreciate them a little bit more and also like the fact that because they're not doing exciting things, it gives you an avenue to get a player like that onto your roster. Let's move on to Pat Fryermuth. Pat Fryermuth, another one of the, the recent pieces here. Uh, and Neil asked the question in the title, could Pat Fryermuth be the next Dallas Goddard? Um, I indeed think that he could. Um, just kind of looking back at the season, actually was tight end six in total touchdowns despite being tight end 16. Well, can, I, can I ask a silly question here? Sure. What does uh, being Dallas Goddard mean to you? Um, I, so, so Dallas Goddard is an inefficient fantasy scorer um, who has never gotten elite target share. Yep. And I think that's very likely to be where Pat Fryermuth lands yep. uh, because of the talent at the wide receiver position around him. And the fact that the team has uh, a very capable receiving back in Najee Harris. So um, uh, low end tight end one with capability of being overall tight end one in any given week. Uh, that's what Dallas Goddard means to me. Yep. Um, so, you know, he actually did have seven tight end one, Weeks again, that's a pretty low bar. Uh, we don't need to go into that. Uh, the listeners are smart enough to figure out why. Uh, the rid of his screener Sims that are returned, pretty mixed bag. Uh, we get Jermaine Gresham, and then speaking of players I haven't thought about in a while, Dave Tony Mowiaki, uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs back in, yeah, in 2010. It's been a minute, man. Uh, we do also get Dwayne Allen and Tyler Eifert. I think those are interesting names, um, who have been you know, uh, very relevant, relevant at times. And, their career um alan uh situationally when andrew luck was there and then tyler eifert uh it was never a question of ceiling it was a question of health and then dallas goddard so i actually think this is a pretty positive list overall um because tight ends are affected so much by their situation um in, in terms of unlocking a true fantasy ce- uh, ceiling where it's not just dependent on touchdowns so uh, you know the takeaways here firemuth 
definitely going to be attractive in, in best ball. I think uh, you, you want a guy like this that can pop off in any given week. Um, and he's probably going to command a tight end one price and redraft in 2022 and certainly in dynasty. However, you know, this isn't a player at this time that's going to be commanding, you know, elite target share of the position or anything. Uh, anything you want to add on Friarmuth there? Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, just like uh, how my mind would consider Friarmuth before we really do an exercise like this and consider him. Because, you know, it's easy to view it as such a tremendous rookie season and think about the way that tight ends develop and project him into being a top five, top six type of tight end. But when you take a step back, uh, you can see why, you know, there's no guarantee about that and how it could be easy to overvalue or overdraft a player like Fryermuth uh, if you're not really going back and digging in and putting the historical context around it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One more tight end. Neil loves the tight ends, man. Oh, loves the tight um, ends, the, man. He, he just he is our resident tight end lover. You know, Michael Scott's the little kid lover. Neil Dutton is the tight end <laughs> lover, right? Um, and so uh, Kyle Pitts was his first rookie uh, that he looked at this year, um, and you know he, he had an interesting first half of the season with those two huge games in weeks five and seven. Over 23 PPR in each of those weeks. And then, you know, the wheels kind of fell off for the Falcons uh, altogether um, with, you know, Calvin Ridley kind of riding off into the sunset for an undetermined period of time and uh, Cordero Patterson taking over as the Falcons version of Debo Samuel. And, you know, Pitts just couldn't really get it going. Um, nonetheless, even in the limited success that he did find uh, this season, he, he draws, a, a, as you would imagine, a very impressive list of sims from the road of his screener and Neil's queer here. So we get Jordan Reed, um, kind of the kind of a even better version of the Tyler Eifert path where, you know, he gave us, you know, the high end when he could stay healthy, Evan Ingram, uh, Jermaine Gresham popping here again, uh, Aaron Hernandez and Noah fan. You know, that's, that's a great list. Uh, a bunch of really athletic guys, um, with, with pretty high draft capital other than Aaron Hernandez. And, you know, obviously we're projecting great things for pits in 2022 and beyond um, the dynasty tight end one or one B uh, depending on how you view him versus Mark Andrews right now. And he's certainly going to be, you know, I would say a top three tight end in, in redraft for 2022, Dave. Yes. Um, the, all, all I'll say about Kyle Pitts is um, 
he really, in my opinion, did everything that you would have expected from a player as highly touted as he was. And there's no reason to to change the idea that he's going to be an absolutely smash uh, elite tight end in the NFL. So I think the last thing I'll say, uh, you know, not everything, not all research needs to be, you know, predictive. Uh, not all research is predictive. Sometimes it's it's observational study that can can lead us to ask more questions and then, you know, arrive at uh, situational conclusions instead of um, ones that are, you know, firmly based in math. Uh, Bjorn Yang Vernet uh, is also contributing to this series. And he wrote the piece on Jamar Chase, uh, noting he had a rookie season eerily similar to Julio Jones. Um, you don't need me to say how excited we are about Jamar Chase, uh, the dynasty wide receiver one, and probably a redraft top six wide receiver uh, or better for sure. Uh, in 2022. So if you like this series, make sure you check it out. Um, very ap- applicable uh, for dynasty purposes, of course. Uh, and that's, that's how I prefer to read them. Um, but those best ball drafts are going to start soon too. And it's, it's good to form an opinion on 2022. So Dave, we are going to talk about a little bit more in depth tonight. We're going to talk about a player that I was a huge fan of heading into the NFL and has really delivered and that, my friends, is Jalen Waddle of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I'm not sure that many people realize just how good of a rookie season he had. And were it not from Jamar Chase, I cannot even imagine how excited some people would be about Waddle. Uh, in his first game in the NFL, put up 16.1 points against New England, followed by a 10.8 performance against Buffalo, then a 17.8 point performance against Las Vegas in week three. Other notable performances hung 29 points on the Jags, 20.6 against the Jets in week 11, 28.7 against the Panthers in week 12, and 25.2 against the Saints in week 16. Only went under the 10-point mark three times, was a wide receiver one in 25% of games, wide receiver two in 25% of games. So, you know, 50% of the time, half of his games, he was a wide receiver two or better. As a result, it should not be a surprise to see that he finished as the wide receiver 12 in overall PPR per game. Wide receiver 14 in PPR per game was 10 in targets, 7 in receptions, 22 in receiving yards, 16 in total touchdowns, only 37 in air yards, but was able to do some nifty things after the catch-in spots to make up for the air yard volume, 24 in whopper, um, 13 in expected points per game, only 91 in fantasy points over expectation per game. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, he's putting up these numbers with an unsustainable type of efficiency. So just all in all, really impressive stuff for Waddle. Um, we see many games for him where he's going uh, over or near 15 expected points. I mean, just really a super tremendous rookie year. I think when you look at the way that the Dolphins roster uh, shapes up heading into next season. It's pretty convincing to me that we're going to see Waddle continue to remain, uh, you know, one of these featured parts of the offense. So much is going to flow through him. And then when you look at the screener output, this is where things really get impressive. Uh, so 102 receptions for him, 143 targets, 988 receiving yards, five receiving touchdowns and 230 expected points. <laughs> Uh, a deep percentage is 13 um, and 237 PPR. So those are the numbers pulling into this query. 
uh, in a similarity search for him. And I am going to read off all of the first, uh, what I believe are 20 names here, Curtis. Eddie Royal, Omari Cooper, Justin Blackman, Amon Ross St. Brown, who you and I are going to come back to and talk about later uh, in the winter. Michael Thomas, CeeDee Lamb, Kelvin Benjamin, who had a pretty good start to his career, I'm going to say, you know, flamed out pretty quickly. Jarvis Landry, Dwayne Bowe, Michael Clayton, Sammy <sighs> Watkins, Andre Johnson, Justin Jefferson, Marcus Colston, Anquan Bolden, AJ Green, Keenan Allen, T. Higgins, and Mike Williams. I mean, that is just Jalen Waddle there with a mic drop. That is an insanely impressive group of comps. Yeah, so Waddle, I think, outperformed my expectations in 2021. Uh, and, you know, his profile was a little bit more risky than some of the other receivers we were really excited about coming into the season. And so it's it's great to see that early success. You don't want to knock him for it. Uh, I think the big question here is, like, is he already at peak? Um, what's an upside scenario look like for him? So you, you noted a lot of the key metrics. I want to dive into those just a little bit further. Um, he did have 4.3 yards after catch per reception. Um, but as compared to the rest of the wide receivers, that's actually only 44th best at the position. And he's just 94th in air yards per target at 7.3, 19th in team target percentage. So the volume really is driving the performance right here. And so we, what we would want to see is an uptick in efficiency and like what other types of players could he look like and how does he, you know, compare to some of the other players in the class. So like comparing and contrasting with Elijah Moore, who obviously had a different type of season. You talked about Elijah earlier this week, really enjoyed you cutting him up. Uh, He was a full yard better after catch per reception, 23rd of the position, Um, several yards better air yards per target at 11.6, 41st of the position Um, also had a 19% team target share looking at Jamar chase, Wide receiver four overall in yak perception, eight yards after catch perception. Jamar Chase just so beautiful. Um, 28th in air yards per target at 12.7, team target percentage at 24%. Those aren't really players that I think compare favorably to how Waddle's going to be used. A, a player that I think demonstrates a ceiling similar to what Waddle could have available um, when we think about not being sure about his quarterback play. Um, next season, the type of role he's playing and a player who profiles similarly in Yak and uh, AYPT would be Deontay Johnson. So Deontay Johnson was wide receiver 24 uh, at 5.0 Yak perception, less than a yard better than Waddle, also similarly a volume hog. Um, and he had a relatively low air yards per target uh, metric, just 8.4 yards per target, uh, air yards per target positional rank of 82. He did, however, have a a team target share of 29%, which was wide receiver four. So I think that's what an ups, and he was far less efficient than Waddle. You know, he had negative 51.2 FPOE. So Deontay Johnson, I think, is what the upside for Waddle looks like. Um, and in terms of expected points per game, number two, wide receiver two, uh, PPR per game, wide receiver eight. So I think there is a path, maybe, you know, not Cooper Cup or Jamar Chase type upside, but I think, you know, mid wide receiver one. Uh, I think is within range outcomes for Jalen Waddle's ce- ceiling in in season two, um, even if two is still there, because you'd expect that connection to continue to grow, Waddle to continue to carve out a larger role in the offense and the team to figure out other ways to use him. So, you know, appreciate the opportunity to deep dive him on him a little bit. I'm probably going to have to adjust my dynasty ranking just a little bit. Uh, you know, I, the, the last... Dolphins volume hog ended up being one of my favorite fantasy players of all time and Jarvis Landry. So um, I can probably get some of those vibes going again. Nice. And, you know, I was almost going to say that uh, 
I think that Waddle could do like kind of something similar to what Jarvis Landry does in which oh, people boy. never want to give him the respect that he deserves. And he just continues oh, every year to come out, play a full complement of games and just be, you know, one of the most useful week to week mm. players that there is. I love Jarvis Landry. I love Jalen Waddle. Oh, wow. Could you hear that? This is the first time that's happened. I could. Listen, right. Dave. Right. Um, I'm going to silence that. I was supposed to, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to take it. I think this was actually your phone it was a Bluetooth error. But I did not tell you to check the bank at the beginning of the episode. So no, it's all right. One. Because really, you only need to tell me to check the bank at the end. Because it's always that I, I see. So I have the sound effects for the show. I have the intro and some of the ones that we use in season on one bank. I then mm. need to advance it for like the quick drop, the deep dive sound effects. And then I generally forget to move it back to the first bank outside mm. of that. So you only need to tell me at the end of the at the end of the uh, the end of the show. Give I me got a little quick drop sound effect. Give me a little quick drop sound effect for this next one. All right. Well, wait, I got to change. Uh, okay. Yeah. Check the bank. All right. There we go. Dave, coming back to Elijah Moore from earlier this week, I ran a Twitter poll because I listened to your episode like a nice. good podcast partner would. Yep. And um, you mentioned that, you know, we've got Elijah Moore at our dynasty wide receiver 15 right now, ahead of players like Terry McLaurin, Chris Godwin, et cetera. So I just, you know, went to Twitter, asked them what they think. 53%. To 47% Elijah Moore over Terry McLaurin in Dynasty. Um, so our, our, our take, I don't think, um, feels that dangerous. So that's the community. Seems like everyone's valuing those two players pretty similarly. Uh, that's across about 700 votes in the last hour. We'll see where that, that poll um, ends up. But uh, I just wanted to, to drop in and, and provide a backdrop for that because I couldn't tell. I actually didn't know uh, where where we were on Elijah versus the community. I don't really care where we are versus community. That doesn't really inform what we're trying to do. Um, but it is nice to know what they think. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, um, play another drop because we have another topic change. All right, that's the lightning round. I just grabbed a really random. There we go. All right, let's do an let's do an AMA, a road of his radio uh, AMA quickly as we round out the week here, Dave. I, I went I went into our Rotoviz team Slack and I went uh, to Twitter and just said, "Hey, let's say a couple quick things at the end of the episode here." This first one is for you. It's from Michael Dubner. Um, you know, just slaying uh, the front pages of Rotoviz all season long with some great DFS work in particular. He says, "Dave, in regards to the infamous Coke and coffee." Have you ever tried Dr. Pepper and coffee or root beer and coffee? How far exactly has this experiment gone? All right. Well, what I will say to this is like, let's not call this an experiment. You know, my palate <laughs> told me that the triflex yeah. of coffee, um, milk and Coca-Cola would make a terrific beverage. So good. In fact, that Coca-Cola actually then came out copied my idea, brought it to market, and it's become a very popular drink. So it was not an experiment. Yeah, I saw it in the gas station. Yes. I've seen it in the gas station. It makes me smile every time I see it. Yeah. So I will say that uh, I have not tried the coffee mix with other sodas. Uh, soda, as we call it here in the great state of New Hampshire. Uh, you know what you might call a pop somewhere else, what have you. Kurtz, what do they call it uh, up there in Ohio? Uh, Ohio, we kind of get everything. I would say okay. pops probably the most uh, popular. Um, I, I'm a soda man myself, but you also get some of the southern uh, influence of people just calling all soda Coke. Coke. Yep. Um, give me a Coke, but they could actually mean a Sprite or Got a Pepsi. It. 
Yeah. So I haven't actually tried it with any other um, soda. Off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of if there's any I could try. I don't really see it working well with Dr. Pepper. Mm. I think it might compete with that kind of subtle cherry flavor a little bit. Root beer, I could potentially see it with, but maybe like a really smooth um, cream soda could go, but I haven't tried any of these concoctions. I I think that would be where you'd want to go. I think a couple options you could steer clear of would be like a grape soda or an orange soda. (laughs) (laughs) Probably tastes like ass. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, Next question. What are the, this is from, uh, uh, which which one do I want to pull here? We only got time for a couple here. Um, Oh, Drico out. Uh, fresh, fresh winner of the hundred thousand dollar best Ooh. ball tournament on FFPC. Rotoviz, of course, famously taking first and second. Um, he actually asked the question, Dave, what are the biggest skill differences for dynasty versus other formats? I think he wants to take on dynasty this year. Obviously we know he's a best ball fiend and that's, you know, his role on our team. Uh, what do you think the biggest skill difference is uh, from dynasty versus redraft? Well, I think that, um, and I'm going to even, well, I guess we could say it's a skill is kind of changing um, the focus that you have in your mind from one where um, I guess like in redraft, you could have, I, for lack of a better term, maybe like a bit more like take lock, I guess, whereas dynasty, you really need mm-hmm. to shift towards just being completely fluid with your roster and, um, you know, not getting too married or too attached to to certain aspects of your team, because I think that, uh, you know, in dynasty, you always need to be evaluating different opportunities ready to shift things around. I don't think that's a great answer, but off the top of my head, that's kind of the, con- the way I can conceptualize it. I'm sure you're going to answer this one better than I will. Uh, no, it's just different, different ways of saying the same thing, man. Um, dynasty's 4d chess compared to, you know, to, to read, read, redraft being maybe, you know, Chinese checkers, it's just different. Uh, you can still win, you know, the stakes can be high either way, but every move that you make in, in Dynasty ends up having a ripple effect that you have to wait um, at, you know, to some degree. And and coming up with that personal value system of how much the future matters, that's like a foundational thing of what type of Dynasty manager you're going to be. Um, so, you know, there, the strategies have strategies and then those strategies have strategies. I think that's the, the biggest thing. Um, you know, and then also I think attention span. Yes. You know, yeah. Re- realizing that, you know, and, and that's, that's a, it's a, it's not a skill, it's a habit. Um, you know, when, when there's news in March, you know, all of a sudden a player could become um, trade bait um, or you might need to check your waiver wire for those, you know, leagues that keep the waiver wire open 12 months a year. And, you know, the people that start playing dynasty in volume, um, you know, that can, that can become a problem uh, getting to, getting to all of those leagues to make those claims. And if, if you don't put that work in, you know, the manager in your league who does is going to end up, you know, running circles around the rest of the league. So I think uh, that that's probably a couple uh, takeaways there. Um, one other question I want to get to here. Let's get to one final one, Dave. Um, oh, Mike, Michael Hitchcock, uh, another Rotoviz brethren here. If you're going to spend time on the Rotoviz site with the tools and metrics, where's the time best spent to just become a flat out better fantasy football player. I think you could ask any of the owners and you get a different answer. Um, honestly, cause I, I think it depends on what your goals are. You know, if you're a best ball player, um, any of those best ball tools, understanding, um, you know, the, the risers and fallers, having a finger on the ADP, you don't even necessarily have to, it's not about which players you're going for. It's about 
how to get the most value at a certain period of time. Um, if you just want to learn all the things that kind of go into fantasy production, though, man, I just always come back to the NFL Stat Explorer. This first page is so beautiful. It gives you the context of what a player has done um, the most recent year up to their last uh, five years in their PPR scoring distribution. You have some of the, the individual performance metrics. You have the location of their receiving. This really have so much stuff on here. The more you learn about a player and how he compares to other players at that position allows you to make decisions no matter um, what type of uh, fantasy that you're playing. Dave, what would your one tool be if you're going to start? Hmm. Um, I guess if I'm going to give an answer to somebody viewing this from like the lens of let's say they've played for a couple of years, but they haven't really like, you know, delved into it the way that somebody reads Rotoviz would a great place to start would be the win the flex tool that Blair pulled together. Oh yeah. Cause it's going to do a couple of things. It's going to teach you about the way that different positions tend to score a little bit differently. It's also going to drill the idea into your head that if your league has a flex spot, that really radically changes the way that things are viewed. And then it's going to help you to mm. understand the different points in your draft where you should probably be focusing on going after players in different positions. So if you were to use that tool and then read some of the accompanying work from Blair, it would be impossible for you not to have become a more knowledgeable fantasy player that's probably going to be able to address the needs of their draft a little bit better given some of the parameters that are in the tool. Oh man, you see, you were worried you didn't give a good answer on the dynasty question, <laughs> but you hit an A plus on this one, man. <laughs> when the flex is a great answer because you it, everything about the tenets of structural based drafting um it's is is in there. So what a great answer. Um that's that's one we'll definitely have to dive into later in on the off season. Um as we kind of round out the episode here, Dave, I did want to go ahead and give a shout out. Um, to uh, John Fitzgerald Larceny Bourbon. That's what I've been drinking tonight. Uh, it's Larceny that you can listen to this content for free. It's Larceny <laughs> that you can buy the Road of His Fantasy Football Rookie Draft Guide. All three uh, issues just for $17.99. Make sure you check that out on, on RotoViz.com. Can't wait to drop that later on this weekend. Uh, been really fun to put it together. And uh, I've learned a lot uh, from all of you in addition to, to brushing up on my own takes uh, for that one, Dave. Yes, very, very exciting stuff. Looking forward to getting to see the final, uh, the finished product, Curtis. You've been sending mm. some screenshots and whatnot, giving us just a little taste, but I can't wait to see the mm. whole thing. Um, it is Friday, though, so you, you can share whatever you were about to say before I cut you off there a little bit. You can close your thoughts yeah. on that, then give us something yeah. to get out of here and head into the weekend with. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, um, you know, perhaps we could do a... Uh, a, a Rotoviz analyst uh, calendar um, just as a surprise uh, for, for may, maybe like every 100 issues that we sell um, you get, you know, Dave Caven, uh, Dave Caven, March spread. Um, oh I think Lord. you know that would appeal. <laughs> that would appeal to some people. So uh, anyway, uh, Hey, just to round out this week, we're gonna go back to the basics. It's, it's a new year. Um, you know, you got to stay positive. You got to work hard. You got to make it happen. That's what Dave and I are doing every single damn week. That's what you can do with us too. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. 
Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.